Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. My lawyers even said, you have no idea how much time per day I spend writing the words, you may only use side butt or three-quarter butt or half butt. That's <laughs> like, you got to be kidding me. He goes, oh, no, uh, you must use butt double for this for full back butt exposure. Actor must wear a cock sock for that. Welcome back to the Jim Rome Podcast, episode 18. 18. Our boys all grown up and ready to hit the holiday break with some momentum heading into 2018. It's a year that is going to be absolutely huge. Huge for me, my crew, the radio program, and this podcast. So with the holidays here, I thought it would be a very good time to give you the gift of laughter. And that will come courtesy of our guest, Keegan Michael Key. Key is a producer. He is an actor. He is a writer. He has won an Emmy. He has won a Peabody Award. He is one half of the iconic duo Key and Peel. He is crushing it right now on the big screen, the little screen, on Netflix, and on the Broadway stage. And he is about to absolutely annihilate the Jim Rome podcast. So, pot up. Episode 18 of the Jim Rome podcast starts after this word from Penrose Hill. Angular, cassis, opulent. If you're not familiar with those wine terms, congratulations, you are just like me. See, I don't care if wine clubs and critics babble on about herbaceousness. I just want to know, does it taste good? Luckily, I found First Leaf, the only wine club that's based on your tastes. I just received my First Leaf order, and there are some damn good wines here. Here's how this works. Customize your First Leaf order by selecting the color, wine regions, and frequency of your wine shipments. First Leaf then creates an introductory three-pack of wine to get you started. With First Leaf's introductory pack, you'll get three for only five bucks each. Normally, these bottles of wine go for $20 each, if not more. First Leaf is my new favorite way to rate and buy quality wine. To order your three-pack of introductory wine for 15 bucks, go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Rome. That's three bottles of wine for only $15 at tryfirstleaf.com. Dot com slash Rome. Experience First Leaf today at tryfirstleaf.com slash Rome. I've been pretty clear about this. I never thought this voicemail would make it start to finish in 2017. Yet, after 12 rounds, that thing is still standing, still breathing, still blinking. Look, I know you all think I'm messing around, but I have never been more serious about anything in my life. I will rip this machine out of the wall and not look back for a second because I don't need it. And we're heading into a two-week break where the very best part of that time is not having to listen to these telephone calls. 
Hey, who knows? Maybe the fresh start of 2018 will mean a fresh gravestone for the voicemails. You know, right next to the hack-off. Something else that is never coming back. You see, I ripped that thing, and it never came back. The same thing could happen right here. Maybe. Probably. Almost positively. Yeah, we'll find out. Let's see. I have never, though, been more serious about moving on. Until then... For at least one more time, and maybe the last time, let's see what's on the dreaded tape. You have 12 new messages. First new message. Romy's back in the PDX. Romy's back in the PDX. Romy's back in the PDX. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Rome. It's Tracy, PHX Nola Girl. I heard about your new studio and all your new stuff going on. I'm really excited for you. And just wanted to say congratulations and happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and Janet and the family and the XR4TI crew. Take care, babe. Bye. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim. This is Rick and Buffalo. I've got weak smack and zero takes. But I've got a hemorrhoid the size of a softball. Message deleted. Next message. Romay! This is Craig from HB. Been listening to you since probably 95, 96, while I was stuck in Sacramento for five years. You you rock, bro. Always have. War, the nickname Flatchy Lance. Out, Romy. Message saved. Next message. Up in Canada here, smoking some bud, real bud. Message deleted. Next message. You go for the field goal, live to see another quarter. You don't gamble and go for the touchdown. You can't play a player, bro. Belichick is like Kenny Rogers, but just a no-neck, pudgy, fat, piece-of-shit, cheater version. That's all I got, Jim. I'm not flaming. I am kindling, and I'm going out smoothly. Message deleted. Next message. Yo, Rome. Oh, my God. You don't even know how much you mean to me, bro. For the past 12 years of my fucking life, I... Oh, my God. You're the only thing that has gotten me through the day, bro. How can I repay you, bro? I love you so much, dude. I love you, bro. I fucking love you, bro. Message deleted. Next message. Romy, what's up, man? This is David in Buffalo. The Chargers have beat themselves worse than Dr. Dave in Chicago. Hey, Charger fan, good luck booking those tea times. Message saved. Next message. Message deleted. Next message. San Diego, Super Chargers, San Diego. Message deleted. Next message. Rome, Paul in Green Bay. So who has two thumbs and doesn't break their collarbone every other year? Brett Favre. That's who. Message deleted. Next message. Yo, Packer fans. What happened this weekend? Your season's over. The Vikings are division champions. And there's nothing you can do about it. Enjoy the offseason, fat Packer fans. Message deleted. Next message. Rome, this is Demacio in Albuquerque. Have you noticed the video coming from Buffalo tailgates this year? It's one thing to call in sick Monday morning from Sunday morning drinking. It's another to call in sick from third degree burns from your Sunday morning drinking. Message saved. You have no more messages. (laughs) 
I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I can't lie. Maybe it's the holiday spirit. Maybe I'm feeling a little bit more charitable than normal. But that wasn't the worst thing I've ever heard. Terrible, but not the worst thing ever. But not all of it. Tracy, what's up, girl? What's up? Appreciate the words, the kind words. Thank you very much. You know, I appreciate you and your fam. Trace used to come to see Jim Rome on Showtime. Always made that road trip from Phoenix. PHX, yo. You know I'm hyped about being back in the PDX as well. And then Rick in Buffalo. His hemorrhoid is the size of a softball. What, that didn't get in the way of a fire take? Well done there, Rick. More calls like that, and you might even get that golden ticket back. And bro, I appreciate you, bro. You can repay me by downloading the pod and telling all of your bros to start downloading the very same pod, bro. You feel me, bro? We also had a little bit of everything this week. Dr. Dave getting crushed. The Chargers taking some for laying that egg. Packer fans getting called fat by Viking fan. And the hood getting hit with Kenny Rogers smack. Quote, a no-neck, pudgy, fat piece of shit cheater version. These voicemails were not flaming, they were kindling. And they might just make it to 2018. Might. Smoothly. Now in this town, there are a lot of people who pretend to be a lot of things. But there is absolutely no pretend in Keegan-Michael Key's game. Find a hill, my man has already planted his flag on it. His work on Key and Peel made its mark in today's cultural zeitgeist. And when he and his partner, Jordan Peele, decided to, quote, quit before it dipped, he kept right on making power moves. With a menu of choices in front of him, he basically just said, all of them. In essence, Key could do anything at all. And today, he chose to do the Jim Rome podcast. And I cannot tell you how pumped I am to have him right here. Things are really well, Romy. They're, do, they're, they're going really great. I'm in the middle of this Broadway show right now that was written by Steve Martin. I'm starring with Amy Schumer and um, uh, an actor by the name of uh, Laura Bernanti and another actor by the name of Jeremy Seamus. It's a four-hander, and it's been, it's been wonderful. We've been running for several weeks now. We had three weeks of previews, which is really nice because you get, like, a nice preseason, right? You get, like, you know, they get three preseason games. Sometimes I wish football players could get, like, a month, like like two months of preseason, but then you know inevitably somebody would get hurt. Right, right. <laughs> so my so but but if, but the, we got we got the equivalent of that in the theater, which is like the best possible thing for an actor. So I'm really I'm we are just we're we're really sailing now, and it's we feel like uh, as our director once said to me, you guys are like the Golden State Warriors out there. We're just really in sync. We're really in flow, and there really is nothing like it. There's nothing like live theater. It's a wonderful experience. Yeah, just so they know exactly what we're talking about, the show is Meteor Shower, and it's your Broadway debut, and it's Steve Martin's show, and as you mentioned, the cast is absolutely amazing, but we're talking about a Broadway debut. That is some serious stuff. So how did it yeah. feel when you hit that stage on opening night? What was that like? You know, it's funny, opening night, and, and not, not to take the drama away from it, but because of the previews, because of us having three weeks of previews, seven to eight shows a week, it was really great. You know, we felt like we were already getting into the, we were already kind of in the midst of the process. But there is that thing, there is that little feeling that you have inside that you want to hold on to where you, you don't want to forget a single moment of opening night. Because if you're an actor, this is it, man. This is the Olympics and the Oscars and the Super Bowl all rolled into one for you. And, and so I, there was a moment where I'm like, okay, I have to play the show. I have to get into the pocket. But I'm just, I remember the moment before I stood on stage 
me and the other three actors, we all held hands and we kind of told each other what we were thankful for, which I thought was a nice moment prior to the performance, which kind of has to come trippingly off the tongue, if you will. So the, perfor- the, the performance has to be what it is. It has to flow. But right, you just want to take that moment before and take a nice deep breath. And I, and, I, and I did that. I did that because this is one of those things you're working for. And sometimes in your career, you think, well, I'm not going to get back to theater. I'm on this path now. Or maybe, one t- maybe in my 50s or maybe in my 60s. Or you know, who knows if a role will come up. Or am I going to put in the effort? And then it all comes together the way it did. And I'm so... I'm just, I, I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, couldn't Key, it's, be happier. So it's, it was a magical night. I was going to say, Key, night. it's so true because you had been away from the theater for so long. Now, let me ask you this. When you talk about that staff, you've got a couple people who have a lot of experience in theater, and then you've got you and Amy Schumer. Now, Amy, she obviously stars in it with you, and she's got a stand-up background. You're obviously a sketch person and an improviser. So what happens when the two of you go out there in front of an audience? Well, it's interesting. It's um, the... There are moments when Amy, you can see Amy is ready to just pounce on somebody in the audience. If people are being loud or obnoxious, which doesn't happen anywhere near as much (laughs) in the theater as it does in stand-up or improv. But there are nights when someone's, you know, unwrinkling, uncrinkling the the candy, or you can see the glow of a a cell phone. And you can see that she really wants, she she uses a lot of self-control to not say something to the people or lash out at the people, because that's her background. She's got that freedom uh, in regard to being a stand-up. She can stop any time. She can let the laugh move. She can, she can back up. She can talk to a person in the audience for five minutes. And it's such a different, different experience. But she, um, so it, it, there's, there is a, a small degree of difficulty there. But I think for the most part, for me, it's like riding a bike. Coming back to my theatrical roots, I feel like I'm at home again. And, um, but, there, but there's lots of fun on stage, lots of stuff that's not prescribed, lots of things that aren't planned that still happen, and I think that's exciting for us. And I also think it's really exciting for the audience, because if you enjoyed Meteor Shower, and then you went out and told somebody, I saw this play, Steve Martin wrote it, blah, 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 King Michael Key, Schumer, da, 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 that, you know, then you go, oh, and this happened. If you happen to bump into another person who saw the play, they go, that didn't happen the night I was there. Right. And I think that's where the excitement lies in, in live theater. But it's, it, we were really nice. We got to be cushioned in between Jeremy and, and Laura, who the majority of their career has been this, has been them being on stage. And there's a little bit of stagecraft that you can glean from them. And even, even though I'm uh, one of the older people in the cast, I, I was, I've been learning so much from Laura. Uh, Laura plays my wife in the, in the piece, and Amy plays Jeremy's wife in the piece. But I've learned so much from her and so much from Jeremy, and I believe Amy has as well. What a great experience, and good to see you go back to your roots. Now, Key, you've got a lot of other things going on. You're also in a Netflix show called Friends from College. For those who have not seen it, it's really very different from what you've done previously. What is this show about, and what's that experience been like? Um, well, the show is about uh, 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 a, bunch of, a, a group of college friends who were kind of disparate after college. Not, not that they hated each other, just kind of moved on with their lives and were doing their thing. And four of them live in New York City, and two of them uh, left and moved someplace else. They lived in Michigan. And now it, um, the, the, all six of them are going to be living in the city again together because, due to some work circumstances. But the wrinkle is two of the people in the group are having an affair, with each other and have been having this ongoing relationship for about 20 years, yet they're both married to two other people. An additional wrinkle is that one of them is married to another member of the group. So, <laughs> so they're, now they're all within proximity of each other, 
and wackiness ensues. And um, it's, it was a really interesting experience, a super, super collaborative experience. It's something I've, I've discovered a lot in comedy. I've not done enough drama on camera where I've had the opportunity to, to feel, the, feel the, um, that same type of collaboration. And, but with Nick Stoller, who wrote it, Nick Stoller's a, a Hollywood director. Um, here, I'm trying to see if I can say this wrong, so I, you can cut it out. You can't, no, 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 podcast. Can yeah, you say whatever you want? Oh, that's right, right. So I can't remember. Nick, Nick, oh, shit. Tyler, what did Nick direct? He directed I Love You, Man. No, he directed the... Uh, so Nick Stoller directed Neighbors. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, right, Keith? And, and, and um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, that's right, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and Neighbors and Neighbors 2, and um, he's been a writer on a lot of things. He, he was one of the writers on Zoolander, so he's been in the business for a long time, and this, was, this is one of his dreams. He, he created this with his wife about a group of friends of theirs from college. And we really, it's been, it's been, it's so funny because you can say what you want, do what you want, and then he's, and then sometimes what you say inspires him to say something, and then something that, he, a suggestion he gives inspires you to do, enhance the suggestion. It was really a, a really fun, open time. Kobe Smolders is in it. Annie Paris is in it. Fred Savage is in it. Uh, Nat Faxon, who wrote the Oscar-winning movie The Descendants, is in it. And, um, you know, Randall Park, there's a guy named Randall Park who's on an ABC show called Fresh Off the Boat. His wife, J. Sue Park, is a really funny actress. She's in it. So it's a really great top-notch group. But the, the thing that Nick really brings to the project that I think is his stamp is this trademark, uncomfortable, squirmish feeling to a piece that has a lot of kind of, it feels a little bit like a, like a Louis C.K. type of vibe. But at the same, a Louis vibe, but at the same time, it's very zany. And, and, and there's lots of uh, pratfalls and action and misunderstandings. It, it's, it's got a lot of classic comedy to it, but also this nice kind of curb your enthusiasm um, energy to it as well. All right, so, Keen, in terms of, like, uncomfortable or squirmish kind of shit, and we can say whatever we want, it's a podcast. Yeah. I'm getting kind of comfortable there. Now, you, <laughs> you did a nude scene, right? Whose idea was that, yours oh. or somebody else's? No, that was written into the script. And I remember when I read the first script, I was looking at the script, <laughs> and I, the, it was, there was supposed to be full-on frontal nudity if you're reading the script. So then I had to talk to my lawyer. <laughs> I had to talk to my lawyer, and a couple of the folks go, okay, this is a, okay, I really want to do this project, but this seems extremely, like I'm not making a far, you know, like a French, you know, sex comedy here. This is, this is crazy. So we, we, it's literally in my contract. And my lawyer has even said to me, my lawyer has even said, you have no idea how, many, how much time per day I spend writing the words, you may only use side butt or three-quarter butt or half butt. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. He goes, oh, no. And, uh, you, know, uh, you must use butt double for this for full back uh, butt exposure. Uh, actor cannot be seen naked in this. Actor must wear a cock sock for that. Um, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is, takes up about a good twenty percent of his day, because people don't want to be running around naked all the time. And um, so yeah, so there's a little bit of little little peak, little peak of the tushy here and there. Um, but uh, I think it actually it, it worked very well for the project. You know, people always say that it's like, is it necessary or is it gratuitous? Right. And I think given given the span of the show and everything that happens in the show. Um, was it, was it necessary? Probably not. But I do believe it did help enhance the scene a little bit. Now, Key, when you mentioned that the attorneys spent a lot of their days going over this, you and I actually have the same attorney. Now, yes. was this the legendary David Feldman that went over that paperwork or another one of your attorneys? It was 
100% Dave. You know, it's Dave, Dave Feldman. You know, you know, Romy, that Dave is the kind of guy who's going to get into it. He's going to roll his sleeves up and get into it himself, right? He doesn't, he doesn't pass it off to anybody else. He's always been, uh, he's been, he's been a, an amazing, amazing lawyer and also a really good friend. And I think he's, you, you guys are also very good friends. No, he, I, he was shout the... out to Dave because Dave, Dave worked on that paperwork. He, he, got it, he, he, he rolled up his sleeves and got in there himself. No, Key, I know for a fact, sorry to interrupt, that, I mean, Feldman is a very, very close friend of mine, as well as the only attorney I've ever had. He was the best man at my wedding, and I speak from experience. Well, not experience in this case. If somebody came to you as yeah. his client and friend and said, uh, there's a cock sock involved, it's going to cost a lot of money. I know Feldman. I know <laughs> right Feldman. Now, gonna, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That is incredible. Feldman. I don't think I have ever in my life. It took me. It, it took me a couple of years to, to really, really get into the groove. But David is always very politely, very <laughs> politely said to me, "Hey, if there's any deal you want me to look over, even if it's a little bit of money, just you know, if you want me to take a look." What he meant to say was, "What the fuck are you doing? Give me the contract. I could get you <laughs> twice as much money." You know, he's. I mean, it's, he's really quite amazing. And you're right. If there's, if there's going to be, I think from in my future from here on out, if there's a cocksock involved. Dave's Dave's involved. Dave's going to be involved because yes, you're right. Because it's it's got everything's got to be worth its time, right? And time is money. And time is money. And no one no one knows that better than Dave Feldman. No, so, no, yeah. he he's the smartest guy in the room. And can I tell you, this is my 18th episode and our first cock sock reference. I'm glad we got that in before 2017. <laughs> Key, that's why you're the man. That's, That's why, why you're I'm the man. Here. I wanted to make sure you have all the other terminology, too. Uh, the, 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 term, the industry term is a cocksock. Yes. The other term is a Houdini, which is, <laughs> which is, which is interesting. It's, a small, like a small, it's like a G-string made out of monofilament, you know, like fishing wire sure. in a way, so that you're actually technically wearing clothes. But it looks like you're not wearing clothes. I got and, it. And, and, and they and they do a, they do really good, really good job. So I, I was eventually ultimately got to a place where 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 it was not so gratuitous uh, and everybody everybody was very comfortable in the room and it worked out really well. You know, it seems to me that he's got your back and obviously you've got game that I'll never have because he's never brought this to me. Maybe he's saving <laughs> this for me for when I go to Van Nuys and I go out in porn. Maybe that's how my business ends, my career ends. I think that's how Romy's career ends. Wouldn't that be great? You're just hanging out in Chatsworth, sitting in a room with a robe on. Yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Listen, Key, also, something else to add to your resume. We can add NFL celebration choreographer. When T.J. Yeah. Jones yeah, scored his first TD. Yeah, that was great. For those who haven't seen this, when T.J. Jones scored his first TD this season, he and a number of teammates all stood in the end zone. They broke out the Rockets' kick line. Now, you fed them that idea, right? How did that go down? Well, technically, what, what, what happened is we were in a room. Uh, it was me and the producers of the piece, and we were in a room. And my partner, my partner, Elisa Pugliese, is one of the producers on the piece. And we were just kind of coming up with ideas. And everyone's going, well, we could do this runway model thing. We could do this, like, carnival thing. And then Elisa just goes, Rockettes. What about the Rockettes? <laughs> great. And then the other producer went, oh, man, Rockettes is great. We've got to make sure that's in the piece. So we didn't know what they were going to break out. And what's so funny is... T.J. Jones scored the touchdown, which means that Eric Ebron and, and uh, Marvin Jones Jr. and Golden Tate, that's, those are my boys, yep. they must have told T.J. because T.J. wasn't there during the shoot. When we did the Boogie Down Brown um, uh, touchdown celebration consultant video, he wasn't there. Theo Riddick wasn't there, and, he, and T.J. wasn't there. But they did a really great job. So they must, those guys must have gotten them on the right page. So anyway, my partner suggested it. We were writing up the scenarios. We went and shot the video. They did it. And then 
after that first touchdown, I, I, was, I was screaming on the phone. She was in a, another country uh, on business, and I was talking to her on the phone. I went, oh, my God, oh, my God, they're doing it. They're fucking doing it. <laughs> and they were doing the kick line right there. It was amazing. And they just they executed it beautifully, beautifully. So, that's, yeah, we were, just, we were just brainstorming about what are we going to do during the shoot, what, are, what were the examples of doing the shoot, and then she went, bing, Rockettes, and that's where it came from. God, you must have been so proud when you saw them do that. Now, I will say this. Matthew Stafford took part in the practice. Where was he when it went down? I know, I know. My only piece of disappointment right. <laughs> is that Stafford, you know, Stafford, that guy, as you saw in the video, as you saw Boogie Down said, I think I have the same, I have the same, um, the same feeling about it, Rome, is, is, is that, is that I, I just think quarterbacks are spending entire too much time figuring out how to score as opposed to what they should do after they score. Right, I really, I right. They've got to get their priorities straight. You know. No, you're right, Key. Listen, you right. it's very clear to anybody listening right now the way you just nailed that. You're from the D. You live and die with the Lions. They're 8-6. and six. They're a game out of the playoffs. How are you living as a Lions honk right now? How's the blood pressure? The blood pressure, you know what? My, my blood pressure is always, let me tell you, it goes down significantly beginning of the week. Once I get to about Thursday or Friday, then I start thinking about scenarios. Then my brain starts going, I mean, they can't lose to Cincinnati. Could they pu- I, mean, our, I mean, our D-line's better than that. I think if Ansa's coming off the edge, you can get the Dalton a couple <laughs> times. Like, I'm already starting to think right. about what's going to happen. But right now, like, I'm happy-go-lucky right now. I'm still, I'm, it's Tuesday, so tomorrow's when the transition starts happening. Today, I'm still, like, wearing a T-shirt under my shirt. Uh, Lions T-shirt. I, you know, I change my like weekly. I'm gonna ch- start changing my, you know, uh, Twitter uh, wallpaper to the kick line. Like I'm still celebrating. <laughs> right. I'm still in the glow. But by tomorrow, the glow is gonna start dissipating a little bit. And then I start thinking about, do I have to call Coach Goldwell or I'll send Golden a text and go, you guys, you guys ready? You guys good? <laughs> it's same thing with my Nittany Lions. Like during the season, like I was cool every day until about two days before that Ohio State game. Right. And then rough. So that's how I get with the Lions. Like, that's how I get. But then I, I, I can let my glow bask for about two or three days after a win. Well, at least there's no 24-hour rule. Those guys, they don't spend enough time enjoying what they accomplish and probably spend too much time worrying about what didn't go right. But they're a different breed. They're wired a different way. They now, are wired a different way. I think, I think football players, you know, it's funny the people that I put into that category. Right, who? Firefighters. I grew up with two firefighters. The guys are the, uh, my childhood friends in Detroit who were firefighters. As I just said, Rom, you just heard what I said. Firefighters in Detroit. Right. So they're, they're busy, busy men. And, <laughs> right. and they, they are wired differently. Lots of athletes are wired differently, but football, can I tell you who I think are wired the same? Hit me. F- football players and dancers, hmm. like modern dancers, ballet dancers, all of, I, I'm a firm believer, a dancer and a football player, exact same thing. Well, exact same thing. Well, listen, same injury, they get the same injuries. Right. They, get the, they, they batter their bodies exactly the same way. They, they, they put more on the line physically than typically act, you know, actors who are in a musical or a straight play like I'm doing now. They're, they're, all a dancer is, is is just a really beautiful football player. And all a football players is a dancer with tons and tons of muscles. I, oh, it, I like it. It's, it's the same thing. Key. I mean, think about, think that, about every play that happens in football. It, they're just, it's just choreography. It's ballet. The going to pull. It, the running back's going to go here. The yeah. pullback moves to the left and goes to the, the C gap. It's just the same thing as pirouette, pick him up, turn around in the thing. You know, it's the, it's it's really. I I found it fascinating because I'm a fan of both things, of both dance and football, and uh, and I see I see this correlation there. Key, I'm not. It's a great great analogy because I'm not a huge DWTS guy, but every time somebody from the NFL goes on that show, they destroy. 
Dancing with they the Stars, right? Time. They kill well, they're it. They're always in the finals. Right. Every, they crush. So right. I think you're right. I think you're right. Listen, you, you have so many things going on, but you mentioned this recently. I'm a huge, huge born guy. Deep down, if Matt Damon, and he's kind of found himself in the middle of it this week, but if Damon were to walk away from the franchise, is born in the back of your mind? Is that something you would want to do? Every day. Every single day. So it's not in the back of your mind. It's in the front of my mind. Right. Every day. It's, it's something I think about doing every day. Developing some kind of spy thriller or an action franchise is something that I would really... I, I am very interested in doing a, 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 in the next juncture of my career. If that could be the, the, the part... If that could be a major part of the next level of my career for a good 10 years or 15 years, uh, that, would, that would be something that would be very exciting for me. Hell yes. Very exciting for me. And, and I mean, not... It, it, yes, so... so if people have been talking to me about that recently, and I'm trying to figure out how to make that work and how to orchestrate that in my career, it's something. It's something that made me start loving cinema as a kid. Action movies and watching my parent, like watching an action movie with my dad, and seeing my dad get excited when I'd watch a James Bond movie, and to see that grown this big. My, my dad was a huge guy. My dad was like six four, two sixty, and. To sit here and watch this man next to me cackle or get excited or see his eyes get big made me want, figure out that there's power in this thing on this screen up here. And so only after I started watching action movies, that was my delivery system into the world, then I started getting into indies and, and, and uh, dramas and, and into, the, into the art form as, as my vocation in the world. So it's, again, it's like another coming back full circle um, to, to something that I really love. Yeah. No, I love that. I was going to say, talk about going back to your roots. Hey, Keith, what about this? Are you a John Wick guy? Love John Wick. Huge John Wick guy. Went to the John Wick 2 premiere um, and uh, saw Keanu, and it was the first time in my life I ever, ever had, like, you know, like you get a little bit of, pa- you always wish you had planned pattern in your mind when you meet a movie star. Oh, yeah. Like a bonafide movie star. So we're on the, I was taking pictures, and we're on the red carpet, and I see Keanu, and my heart leaps. And he sees me, and he looks at me, and he goes, hugs and kisses, hugs and kisses. <laughs> Great. Awesome. <laughs> and he comes over and hugs me. First of all, the guy's body is granite, 51 years old, still bringing it hard, right? Body's granite. And then we get in, we go inside, and we're kind of you know, milling about, and I get in the, in the elevator, bing, and he walks in the elevator. And he goes, so you, have you always been a John Wick fan? <laughs> Great. And I, and I go, Love that. And I go, dude, let me explain something to you. I said, I'm, H, John Wick is, my, is what I call, Romy, my HBO movie. Yeah. If I turn on HBO, if I should have a day off, right, or something, you're just decompressing. I turn on HBO and John Wick's on, whatever else I had to do that day, fucked. <laughs> right. <laughs> For sure. I'm watching John Wick. I'm watching hey, man, John like Wick. That. I love it so much. And, and also, having done, which I know I've been talking, I'm segueing here. Yeah. But, you know, I, 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 I'm in the new Predator movie. Sure. Which was really excited for me, which comes out next year. And uh, we watched, all of me and the guys in the cast, we were watching John Wick clips all the time because, because um, Keanu is so good. He's so good with weapons. And he's, he's a very good sharpshooter in real life and a speed shooter. And so this is something that he has dedicated a little bit of his life to in his career. And we watch him as a, as a hero, not, as a, not only as an action star and a bona fide icon in that genre, but also as a person who's a real, actual, legitimate practitioner. Hmm. And there are things that you see people, I, when we were training for the Predator, we were training with Special Forces guys in Canada. And they were teaching us, you know, this is what, a real, this is what you would really do, this is how you would aim it, this is how you would load the gun. And when they would wa- we were talking about John Wick with the trainers, and they said, oh, yeah, he's legit. He's legit. 
The way that he loads guns, the way that he fires, the way that he aims, it's all legit. Keanu, let me ask you a couple of things really quick. And about Keanu, I mean, obviously you've got a movie about a cat named Keanu. That's <laughs> Keanu, right? Obviously. Right. I think Jordan, see, now Jordan Peele, my partner, wrote the movie. Right. And, and, and when people have asked this question, Jordan and I were talking, because I'm like, if someone brings that up, how do I answer that question? And Jordan said, it was more about the spirit of those kinds of movies <laughs> right. in the early 90s. So movies like Speed and The Matrix and, and those, that, that type of film is what we wanted Keanu to be the comedic version of. Got we it. wanted Keanu to be this hybrid, um, you know, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Those are my favorite kinds of movies, by the way, Romy, uh, is, are movies that we, I've always classified as um, they're action movies. They're action movies with comedy in them. People make up this term action comedy, and I don't know exactly what that means because it doesn't feel real to me. I like a movie where the blood is real, the bullets are real, and the people executing the scenes happen to naturally be funny people or comedic people. In the original script, I, I was told in the original script of um, uh, 48 Hours, both 48 Hours and Beverly Hills Cop were movies that were just meant to be action movies. And then people realized this guy, Eddie Murphy, is maybe, maybe the most talented and gifted comedic mind we've seen in a generation. What if we put him in those movies? What do these movies become if you put him in these movies? And that was what we wanted Keanu to be, to a certain degree. It, it was supposed to have the spirit of those kind of those great action movies that were really death-defying and exhilarating and still had a little bit of a wink to them. Key, I don't mean to be gratuitous, but Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours, they were so fucking good. They were so good. They were so, so good. I'll never forget. You know what I mean, Jim? Like, it's like there's that feeling of, oh, he's really getting hurt. Or he really, that's a real punch. And the, and the, the character's real. You know, you know my, another movie in that genre, my favorite movie, one of my top five movies ever, Midnight Run. Right, right. Midnight Run. It, 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 it fits in that quality where you go, everything feels gritty and real and, and, the, and you're still laughing hysterically. It's like we don't see that as much in movies anymore. No, no, not at all. Listen, you know, also one more thing about Keanu and being 51 and granted. Thing is, Key, I'm not sure folks know this. You're a huge, huge fitness guy. Now, what are we talking about? Are you a big weight guy, martial arts, yoga, meditation, what? Because I know you give a lot of time and energy to this and thought to it. Yeah, I try. You know, the thing is, I've been on a little bit of a break recently because I, I overdid something with weights. I'm trying to get more. I'm trying to put more weight on. And, um, and so uh, I, I've been on a little bit of a hiatus with, with a trainer recently, but that's, it's mostly kind of sick. I'm fascinated about how muscles, how, how muscles build and the fact that muscles are, are ostensibly made of scar tissue. Things like that interest me. And also metabolic rate, like the fact that you can trick your body. I, I love the fact that brand new technology and brand new information that we've been given about the body is combating what the body has been doing for thousands and thousands of years is interesting to me. That the fact that our body is designed to, to help us survive and that in our society today, when a person looks, quote-unquote, fit, they're actually fighting against survival mode. And it, it's something that I find really, really interesting because it's so primal. And that's what's fascinating to me about it, is, the, is this primal energy. And, and also the fact that a human's body, and I've been fascinated by this, since I was probably a teenager, and only in earnest in like the last 
six to eight years if I started kind of going, oh, if I change my diet like this, I could look like that. If I eat this minimum calories, you can build muscle here. And, and so th- that's, where that, that's where that came from. Key, I'm going to ask you then. I, then you're obviously a big nutrition guy. When you're in Los Angeles, how about a favorite restaurant or two? Where do you guys like to go? When I'm in Los Angeles, um, there's a place called Everly, Everly or Evely on, um, on the Strip, and it's kind of one of those places that's hidden on the Strip further back. It's, it's right, right as it's, it's, it's almost kitty corner to where the old Tower Records used to be. Sure. And they have really lovely stuff, like lovely meals there that, that, that they eat. Um, 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 I, love, I love to go there. I also, by the way, now this does not fit into the fitness uh, model at all. But I am, I am, you're not going to find a bigger In-N-Out Burger fan. My man. At, right? Um, amen, right? No, can I like tell it? you, Key, my first job was at In-N-Out, Ventura Boulevard, or Ventura and Winnetka in the Valley. So For you're not going to find a better, in, I worked at In-N-Out. That was my first job. So yes, preach. Was it really? Preach. Oh, oh yeah. I, because, oh, yeah. The, because the meat's fresh. Because the meat's fresh every day. And um, I'm like an In-N-Out geek. Another place I like in LA, I love Matsuhisa. Oh Matsuhisa yeah. Is, oh yeah. Is, is, like I, I, I mean, hands down. Look, I live. I've been living in New York this year. I mean, we we go back and forth fifty fifty. But this year has been so big. I've been here since the, we've been doing the back to back plays and friends from college. So I've been here for ten months this year, and um, there 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 has been some outstanding, like some really good sushi here. But the, uh, there, there is sushi restaurants I've been to in LA, outstanding. And Matsuhisa is the best of all of them. It is the crown jewel. Um, uh, also, um, here in New York, there's a place I go to called Two Hands, where I get what's called a purple, st- or no, no, I'm sorry, it's at the Odeon, called Purple Sticky Rice Bowl, which has just got like an egg in it, and, and, um, and rice, and like broccoli rabe. I like, I like having simple carbohydrates, like vegetables and stuff like that, and then a nice brown rice or a purple rice, you know, that kind of thing, because it still fills me up, but keeps my, artic- uh, keeps my uh, arteries unclogged <laughs> which is good now, which is positive on the, on, the, on the nutrition but yeah so those are two places those are two places that i think are outstanding in los angeles and everything you know what else you know else roll me i like to just go out to the ocean sometimes go to gladstones oh for sure old you school know, sit, out, sit out by the ocean but gladstones just kind of peaceful night watch the sun go down have a piece of salmon you know that kind of jazz that's fun key last thing i could do this all day long and i really appreciate you oh, and your time too. so much listen these on a more serious note these are pretty troubling times you're a comedian you can speak to this better than anybody there's a rule in comedy that there's nothing beyond the joke meaning if something is said in the vein of comedy then it's all good it's allowed because it's just a joke but given the social climate right now is that rule still in attack still in effect I, I would say that the I, I would say that the rule is is actually not in effect here here's the interesting thing about a joke and I, I think I've changed that is an old adage that people have, have said for years and years and years I, I actually am a person who does not believe in the adage um, shall I say fully yeah. And what I mean by that is whatever your consciousness is behind a joke is what makes it, quote unquote, a joke or not. So sometimes a person gets uncomfortable and they don't know how to handle the situation. And so they, they rifle off a joke. And then what happens is someone else goes, oh, and you see them kind of twerk their head a little bit. And you go, oh, that might that might have caused them some pain because I was trying to get pain off of myself. And maybe I didn't even necessarily want to get it on somebody else, but it did. And then you go, hey, it was just a joke. I was joking. But the, the consciousness behind why you told the joke, if, it is, if the consciousness behind why you told the joke was fear or lack or uh, repressed anger, then it doesn't become a joke. And I think what happens right now is people are very uh, – I feel with a lot of tension, and, uh, and we're in this weird place 
where people look at people who disagree with them. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, I feel like 25 years ago, if you disagreed with somebody, you just disagreed with them. And now if you disagree with someone, you're completely and utterly disgusted by them. If someone disagrees with you, it's as if they're not human or as if they're subhuman, as opposed to just holding different uh, worldviews. Um, there are worldviews, of course, that I think are extremely dangerous, and this is hard. It's so hard because I, you know, so when telling a joke, I want to make sure, is there a way I could say something that's humorous and, 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 and can pinpoint an observation that could lift everyone, could lift everyone? And there were times when everybody would look at our leaders and say, oh, the government, our leaders, and we could all kind of poke fun at the theater of politics or the theater of, of um, you know, unuseful discourse. But the problem is now is we're looking at a situation, people looking at a situation where they're like, no, 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 we 100% believe in that guy. And other people here are going, we 100% do not believe in that guy. And it's causing so much acrimony in our society. So I think we need to, as comics, we need to be better architects. Uh, I'm sorry, it's not about being better architects. It's not about better, telling a better formed joke. It's about what you're thinking about and where your heart is when you tell the joke. I think that is a perfect spot to walk off. Key, you've got so many great things going on right now. If anybody's listening and they want to know more about what you're doing, is there something that we did not cover that you want to direct them to? Did I leave anything out, Key? Let me think. Did I, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm missing. We talked about Meteor Shower. We talked about, um, so, you know, we talked about Boogie Down Brown and the Friends NFL. from college. You know, we didn't, uh, friends, we did not, friends from college. we did not hit Hamlet. Oh, we did talk about Hamlet. Right. So, so I will say this about Hamlet, which is very, um, uh, very exciting. You know, first of all, Oscar Isaac, baller, baller, lights out. Right. Um, uh, we've been, the play has been getting on a lot of kind of top 10 lists and top, top best theater in New York lists. And I would say in so much in part because of Mr. Isaac, because this was a, a, a has been a half, uh, I shall say a half lifelong dream of, of, um, of um, Oscars. It's been occupying a lot of space in his soul for a long time. And to be able to perform next to him every day was an absolute treasure, just a treasure. And I, and I, and I, and I hope that he, I really do hope that he gets recognized um, when our award season comes around here in New York for, for, uh, you know, for Obies and, and uh, Critic Circle Awards and Off-Broadway Awards. And, uh, because it, it, I, think that quite, I just think that the performance was, was extraordinary. For our production of Hamlet, he was present every moment of every night, gave himself 100%, and, and, and it's, um, it was really extraordinary. It was really extraordinary. And I, w- I wish everybody could have seen it, but it's, you know, it's, um, it was off-Broadway theater. It's not a huge stage. You know, we didn't, we didn't televise it. But that's the thing about theater that's precious, is that you see a performance one day, and every moment, the second that moment happens, man, it's gone. And if you weren't there, you didn't experience it. And that's why I always encourage people to go to theater. And I know the role of Horatio is something that had fascinated you for a long, long time. For he, me, too. That's right. Yeah, Horatio. I mean, and to be able to play it with this guy who I've been, I've become, you know, we've become um, relatively close acquaintances of late. And to, to be able to play his best friend as, he, as Keegan and Oscar have been fostering a friendship, it was amazing to be able to play two gentlemen that are fostering a relationship. Mm. And and much higher stakes, (laughs) much more dramatic stakes. But it was it was a nice parallel. It was a nice parallel to um, to to draw from. So that's what 18 straight weeks of podcasting feels like. 
Man, in a blink of an eye, that time absolutely flew by. Probably because the guest list was so freaking good. And guests that good practically interview themselves. I don't have to do a damn thing. In fact, we're not even talking about interviews. We're talking about conversations. Elevated conversations. That said, I am still proud of these 18 episodes. I think we booked the hell out of it. And if you don't believe me, go hit the other 17 eps over the holiday break. They're all free, and you can check out any and all of them whenever you want. So now we take a couple of weeks off from the pod because I'm on vacation next week, and then we're going to debut the radio show on TV the Tuesday after. So the next time we'll drop an episode is January 9th. But the big date to circle with a red Sharpie is January 2nd because that's the day the jungle goes live on CBS Sports Network. If you do not have that channel, go get it right now and then see what this thing looks like in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, thank you very much for supporting our new podcast in 2017. I'm already pumped to push it even further in 2018. Stay subscribed or get subscribed because we are not slowing down. We're simply taking a short break. And for you podcast-only listeners, have a great holiday season and an awesome new year. Until then, see you next time, all. I'm out.